0: It's a new new month, and we've, I feel like you know we've seen too many uh, new months and new promises that by the time we read July, we're like, half a year is done and there is no, no evidence for anything new to happen. Uh, some of you there, or is it just me? God says that do not give up don't tire yourself out waiting for what was promised. If it's not taken place, it's going to take place now. The the latter half of this year, you will see fulfillment of the promises that you have not given up hope on. If you've given up hope on it, then um, God save you. But I am just here to remind you that hold on. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hold on. His strength is on the way. Hold on. He's not a God who forgets. And with the eyes of faith, we can welcome what is going to come. So can you just look to God and say, Lord, I believe. I believe everything that you're going to say. everything that is going to come my way. That you have promised. I have not seen it happen, but I know it's coming my way. (sighs) Welcome to a new month. This is the month that is declared as the month of glorious unions. Amen. You know, uh, I know that we all get excited when we see tangible things, yeah? And uh, I want you to know that there have been fathers of the city, okay, who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, who had the same promises that we've had. And and they have carried the vision. They have carried and they have worked for the vision. And, and they have labored and what we are tasting today is, is because of that labor because someone went ahead of us and, and paved our way so it becomes easy for us and in another 30, 40, 50 years we will be those elders and the work we do somebody who is coming after us will be carrying forward will be enjoying the fruit of yeah, so there may not be all the time that you see fruit for the labor that you do. And that is the, the beautiful thing about being parents. Oh, come on, you missed that. If, if you put in effort and you receive it, it's called a transaction. But if you put in something and you wait and wait and wait, and then you see the fruit, it's called an investment. Oh. And I feel like as parents, not just physical parents, but as spiritual parents, and as, you know, I feel like whatever is there in a, in a physical, you can definitely see a translation of that in the spirit realm. And so as a church, we are parents are going to be parents. And we've had our fathers, our city fathers, spiritual parents, okay, who have carried us because they have labored and we have received the fruit. And now it's time for us to labor so that the ones who are coming after us receive the fruit. And that is called investment and that is called the you know it's it's beautiful to see that the lord who spoke 70 years ago his word is still alive because for us our time is limited but his word is infinite his, the weight of his word is infinite it cannot be Erased because because a man man's lifetime came to an end, or because a church grew, uh, sprung up, and then uh, you know was not established. No, the word of God and the promises of God and the vision that that God has laid over this city will see completion, may or may not be in our lifetime. But that's the good thing about it. Oh, very few people had <laughs> had the, the desire to say amen to that. Because I want to tell you, you will, you will not, or you may not, I don't want to disappoint you by saying you will not, but you may not see the result of uh, the work that you're going to put in. But are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? It's for you to decide. It's for you to take. Because I believe whenever God has used me to speak to our church, He reminds me that this is the army of 300 that, that He has raised up. The army of 300 that stood by Gideon. The army of 300 that did not have another agenda than to say for the Lord and for Gideon. They didn't have another agenda. They didn't see if Gideon was qualified or not. They didn't didn't wait to see if Gideon proves himself or not. They just said, yes, this is a man with the vision. Yes, the Lord has anointed and appointed him over me. And so it is my job to stand by him. And there were multitudes with him. There were multitudes with Gideon. When Gideon went out for war, there were multitudes with him. But only 300 were chosen by not their qualification but by their willingness to serve. And I am talking to that army of 300. So please forgive me if you're in church and if you're looking for me to encourage you and give you a feel-good sermon because I I'm sorry, that's not my job. I was on Instagram and there was this one nice post that someone was circulating saying that the job of an apostle is to train you. So be prepared for battlefield plans and, uh, you know, prayer walks. Not for barbecue parties and house visits. Not that they are bad. But that is not what we are going to base our church on. I'm so glad that there are 50% people who are thanking God for it. We have a huge task ahead of us. And for that, God is saying, um, you know, I am am placing you over this city. Did I say in the city? Uh, Over this city. I'm placing you over this city. I'm placing you over the city. So this place is not enough. So I'm going to expand you. I'm going to, I'm going to broaden your, um, you know, walls so that you can broaden your vision. So if you are going out evangelizing, saying, okay, let me get uh, a small group of people. God is saying, broaden your vision. Make it bigger. Make it bigger. Think big because you are a church that's placed over this city you are in this city but you're placed over this city and so my job is to train you for war let's go into the word first kings chapter 19 first kings chapter 19 verses 19 to 21 I'm reading from the ESV version and when you're reading think to yourself okay what is this word saying to me because I was super excited when I got this word. 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 19 to 21 so he departed from there he being prophet Elijah so he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphath who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Okay. Uh, I, I, I like this version but I just want to read it from NLT also. Are you okay in reading from the NLT version? Yeah? Okay, so... So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. Okay? You have to mark these things. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field. What does this tell you about Elisha? Strong man? Okay. Rich. He had a field so big that he needed 12 teams of oxen. And, and it's not, probably, it was not like, uh, uh, they were not yoked together. So it was not 12 pairs of oxen. There were 12 teams of oxen. So they were spread all over the field. And so he had a field that large. And oxen means you had wealth because cattle in back in the day was wealth. It showed how much money you have. Okay. So this is the guy that... Elijah is sent to, it has nothing to do with his qualification, that's another thing, but I I just want you to form the scenario, okay, like form the context to it. Elisha was ploughing with the 12th team, he was faithful to the job that he was given. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. come to this. It's a very key point, but I'll come to this, okay? Keep this in your mind. Elijah, Elijah, what did he do? Elijah went over to Elisha, threw his cloak cloak over him and walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah had not even said a word. Elijah didn't even ask him anything, okay? But it didn't take rocket science for Elisha to understand that here is a man. And prior to this, you would have seen that this same prophet was used by God to defeat the prophets of Baal by sending fire upon the sacrifice. Do you remember that story, Sunday school? Yes? Yes. And this was the same man that the Lord has used to seal the sky and say, there will be no rain. So this man was being used mightily by God. And so this man, he comes so casually, he walks in. And he takes his cloak and he places it on this young man. And he walks away. And that's, that's all That's all that it took for an Elisha to pursue this man of God. And he goes and says, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. He's already made up his mind. But why Elisha? Keep the cloak. Keep the oxen. Don't go anywhere. The mantle is upon you. You know the cloak that a person used to wear, it used to signify so many things. It used to signify how of course to start with how wealthy you are, what position you are in your society. Okay? It was basically like a covering. So you used to keep you used to wear it to keep yourself warm. And if you're in in these town squares where you are sitting to have a discussion, you would fold your cloak and you'd make it like a seat. So it, it showed importance. The cloak was, you know, you can fold it and, and you could, you know, make it like a little pile and you could sit on it. And it it showed that okay, you are, everybody would be standing, but Elijah would be seated on that cloak. Sorry about that. And this cloak was also sometimes used for the resting, you know, when, when you want to just lie down, the cloak was there, you can fold it up and make it like a nice, comfortable bedding. Okay? this cloak meant that if you have this cloak not only are you being identified for who you are but it also gave you the significance and the carrier of the cloak okay, everybody knows this is Elijah's cloak the carrier of the cloak gave importance to that cloak and, and that is what is being laid upon Elisha Now, Elisha is in a win-win situation. Elisha has the cloak and he has a field. Elisha knows this is the mantle of God that is placed upon me. And I can use it to probably bring rain and have my field watered. And, you know, because now the power with which Elijah walked in, Elisha is going to walk in. And Elisha can say, okay, I have a big field, right? And it's not rained in so long because my man of God has not spoken rain. Let me use it. How easy it is to do that. And then when I do that, I'm sure the king would find favor with me and I can also be rubbing my shoulders with the king understanding the possibilities of having Elijah's cloak on you because Elijah at some point had given up because the verses previous to this if you go and read you will see that Elijah is now tired because Jezebel the the queen okay queen Jezebel she is after him she's trying to hunt him and God has been the one who's been protecting him so Elijah is kind of given up And Elijah is not found anywhere, is nowhere to be found. So when the cloak is fallen upon Elisha, Elisha knows it's time for Elijah to retire. And it's now my place to shine. I want that to sink in. This is Elisha, who, when the cloak falls on him, I, I feel, this is my personal interpretation of it, that the one reason, it, there could be many reasons, probably there was one reason where Elijah, the reason why Elijah put the cloak and walked away was because Elijah was showing retirement. Like, I'm done. No, because, you know, he, you will see him discouraged. You will see him running, you will see him uh, tired and hungry and you know, hiding in a cave and then the Lord has to appear before him and you know, have to question and please don't despise people in the ministry who are tired. Because there are a lot of people who, who, like I said, have paid a price but have not seen the fruit and that is in human nature discouraging for them. And because we are living in in a world, you know, that is full of, um, you know, flesh. Our flesh is also a very important key part of our body, not just the spirit, not just the soul, even our, our human desires, you know. It is very easy to get discouraged. It is very easy to take a hit, feel the pain and sometimes not recover out of it. So I feel like Elijah was going through a phase. That's my personal interpretation. If God speaks to you, otherwise, you know, please feel free to uh, believe on, hold on to that. But I feel like Elijah was discouraged at this point. And he just takes the mantle and he puts it on Elisha and he walks off. But in the latter part of from this uh, of this chapter, no, sorry, not the chapter, the book, Okay, you will see Elijah coming back and doing greater things can I tell you why this man who was discouraged I am talking about the senior prophet Elijah who is discouraged who is on the verge of giving up coming and putting his mantle on a, a young man, on a young boy and saying hey here, here you go you know, take care of my job He's on the verge of giving up but you see after this, you see the, the later part of this, you will see the man Elijah, the senior prophet coming back and doing many, many more wonders. Can I tell you why? The key is here. He says, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah. Because there was a man who was pursuing Elijah who said, first, let me go kiss my father and my mother goodbye. I am willing to serve you. I am willing to assist you. I am willing to take your burden. I am willing to follow you. I am willing to kiss my past goodbye my father my mother and I'm serious about it so I'm going to take the oxen that you that I have and I'm going to slaughter them and I'm going to feed a whole town and I'm going to make it public that here is where Elisha the former dies and the son of Elijah is born Elijah was revived because of the simple act that Elisha did. So when Elisha says, first let me go kiss my father, mother, goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople. It was enough to feed a whole town. And they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. I'm here with a word for you. You may be an (laughs) Elisha. You never know, you are an Elisha to someone. You are an Elisha. I mean, yes, this is not the most exciting word, but, but I promise you that if you are the Elisha, then your Elijah is not only revived, but we are taking we are taking, we are carrying it upon us, the vision and the, the assignment and the task that the Lord has given an Elijah prior to us. We are taking it on us. And we are telling our, the people who've gone ahead of us, why don't you take a break and let me take that burden. If you've not seen fruits, it's okay. But I believe in the vision that you have. You know, it means a lot to someone when you hear their story and you're not, uh, you know, cutting them you know, cutting them in the middle of the conversation trying to assume what they are talking about not gaslighting them you know, there's this thing called gaslighting where you are telling someone that you went through a certain problem and they assume that you're making it up. That's called gaslighting. And that's a very uh, big technique that uh, perpetrators of assault, uh, you understand, right? Yeah, they use it to make you feel less about you. When they say, no, no, whatever you're saying is rubbish. I believe I believe the the what I see, okay? So it makes a it makes a big difference when you are standing with your man of God and and the man of God happens to look wild with his running around with the vision. And you will see that is one of the traits of Elisha at a later point. Because when the king says, okay, who is this man? They say, he's a madman. He looks like a madman. Because the vision had, you know, it had set him on fire. The task at hand had, had troubled Elisha so much that now he couldn't sit still. He was, he was so on fire that now he started looking like a madman. Any people ready to be called madman? Yeah. Madwoman? Yeah. Then this word is for you. If not I'm sorry for putting you to sleep. So quickly turn with me to Second Kings chapter 3 verse 11. I'm going to give you a few things that Elisha did or a few things that Elisha was, okay, to be able to support this man called Elijah. Am I talking to the army of 300? Yes. Amen. Go to 2nd Kings chapter 3 verse 11. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king, king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. So Elisha, the chosen one, the man on whom the mantle is, the one who is next in line to being called the Elijah. Okay? The one qualification that he had was that he was a man who would make sure that Elijah, wherever he went, his, he was, you know, clean. He was his hands were washed what does this talk about this man he was the guy who was carrying the jug of water pouring it onto elijah's hands making sure that there was a towel with him okay making sure that probably his feet whenever they were dirty he would wipe them making sure that uh, if there's a stain on his cloak you rub it off okay carrying the wet wipes carrying a bottle of water making sure that the bag that Elijah was carrying was being held. No, no, no. Prophet, let me do this for you. Because Elijah had a set of followers. Please don't mistake him to be a lonely man. He was a senior prophet of the nation. He was, he, he used to visit King Ahab and King Jezebel. He used to be called in to be prophesied to for the king to be prophesied upon. Okay, we are talking uh, you know, we are, we're talking like big shot. And so I'm sure this man had many followers, but only one man qualified to be called the man who poured water on the hands of Elijah. because many will follow for the office. Many will follow for the anointing. Many will follow for the miracle. Very few will have the understanding that the soul is capable of blessing. I'll tell you a story without getting into much detail, and and it, this is a real life story, okay? And I want. I don't want to badmouth or uh, demean anybody by saying this, but there was this one time when when I... This is when I was small and I was personally involved in the story that there was a gathering and we were children, so we were all there. And there was a man of God who was uh, taking care of that little gathering. And because that guy, because that person was younger than the, than the people who used to gather, there was a lot of shaming. You know, there's a lot of questioning authority. There was a lot of, um, uh, you know, they don't feel settled about the fact that a young man is trying to uh, teach them. Okay, without understanding the spiritual dynamics of um, when you have a leader placed over you, God is able to work through that leader and through your principles that you would have kept in place to honor that person and one person one day got up and pointed finger at the pointed fingers at this man accused him of something and even literally pointed finger like this okay and uh, to cut a long story short that man he left the group heartbroken and in tears Okay, and we as children, we could only watch the spectacle that was happening. And years after that, years after that, you will see that this this person who stood up and accused this man, uh, it was something related to family and today his family is in shambles. Okay, I'm not, again I'm not here to uh, make anybody feel bad about anything but I'm just telling you that the soul is capable of blessing the soul is capable of being moved and it it's it's you know the one the one thing you oh there was this one psalm that we read the other day what was that psalm it was Psalm 58 <laughs> can you give me psalm 58? Let me, that that psalm is really powerful and I'm sorry if I'm uh, I'm sidelining from the actual sermon. You know what, you can just keep that away. (laughs) This whole psalm, Psalm 58, please take time to go back home and read it, okay. This whole psalm talks about uh, David being vengeful and he's like, oh, break the teeth of my enemies. (laughs) And he's actually written it there, okay. It's, it's a Psalm of David and it says, it starts with saying, justice, do you rulers know the meaning of that word, okay? And he talks about the, the, the way the wicked are, um, you know, are after him and it says the wicked people are born sinners and he's just going on, they spit venom like deadly snakes, break their fangs, oh God, smash the jaws of these lions, okay? And then it says... Come to verse 10. This is beautiful, okay? It says, The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. And then at last, everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. You know, it's, it's no joke that they call Jesus the lover of our souls. Because our spirit, we are spirit beings. And we are encased in the soul and the body okay and there is this reward for those who love God there is a reward for those who love God and there is a reward for those who keep principles in place and it is the fact that for those who live for God and those who love God the minute God sees your soul being quenched by an enemy It is not long before God avenges that hurt. And so it becomes important for us to make sure that the soul of a man of God is blessed, is flourishing, man and woman of God. Our leaders, our uh, anchor group leaders, our uh, prayer cell uh, leaders our worship team leader okay it makes a big difference and serving is such a, a you know it's it's such a it's such an important key i can't i can't i can't even uh, get done with telling you how important serving is serving does not get you the applause Serving does not get you the recognition. Serving does not put a certificate on your wall. But what it does is it blesses the soul of the person you are serving. And with that comes a blessing that flows out of that soul that is able to take you from where you are and place you where they have fought and won victory from. So don't forget to serve. If you're in church, don't forget to serve. We are going to be a bigger congregation. We are going to be in a bigger place. But if you can root yourself in certain principles, it should start with the fact that I will be known as the person who washed the toilets. Nobody's going to see me. Everybody's going to come and litter and put their uh, toilet paper on the floor. Okay? but nobody is going to see you taking all the toilet paper and putting it in the toilet in the waste basket or nobody is going to see you tinkering with the plumbing and saying oh this there was a tap leaking let me fix it or nobody is going to see that there were water bottles that were kept and they are they have finished and you ran down and you brought them nobody is going to see that You know, when three children were sitting and fighting in the corner there and one of them got hurt, you went and pulled them apart. And you took care of them. Can I tell you something? Can I dare to say this? There are people more important than... No, sorry, let me rephrase this. I'll, I'll say it better. There is a service that is better than serving the man of God. You're saying wow already. I didn't give the climax. I didn't hit you with what was coming next. There are more, there is something, there is a service, there is a ministry that is bigger than serving the man of God. Can I tell you what it is? It is serving the kids. Because to these belong the kingdom. And these people may not be able to bless you. Because a man of God, if you, if you wash his feet, he may be able to bless you. But you try washing the feet of one of these little ones. <laughs> And so the ministry you do at home, especially mothers and kids, church teachers, the ministry you do at home, you don't know how valuable it is. And that is why you will see that Moses and Jesus and you know, the men, Abraham had to move up the mountain to see the face of God. God came to the woman at the well. don't make God come uh, with an, a- like an angel speaking through the donkey because you went the wrong way and then God had to come turn it around. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And you can, you can, you can see the face of God when you see a man of God who's led you to your faith who's Amen. preached, who's sown, who's sown, who's laboured in your life. Amen. So that's what that's what Elisha did. Yeah I'm I'm moved because you know when God talks He talks so personally. And you may think that I'm standing here and and preaching out of notes. No, I'm I'm being edified myself. When I'm talking, I'm hearing it. I'm being blessed myself. So, the first thing that Elisha did was he served in the most, in the least important tasks of the man of God. Elisha served Elijah. Second thing I want you to uh, note is that when, okay, I don't want you to go to to, too many scriptures otherwise you'll lose track of uh, time and where the sermon is going. So I want you to remember that when it was time for Elijah to be taken up and everybody knew that Elijah was going to be taken up and everybody knew that, Elisha knew it. And so he started following, he started following this man and Eli just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go only till Jordan. You can, you can go back from here. He said, as, as long as the Lord lives and as long as you live, I will not stop following you. And then he goes further and he looks back and says, you know what, I'm going only till here. Don't follow me. And and Elisha says the same thing again. As long as the Lord lives and as long as the man of God lives, I will not stop following. I will not stop pursuing. And then again, a third time he says this. And again, his pursuit is relentless. His pursuit is, he's just decided, I will not give up following this man. But why, Elisha? Haven't you already gotten the mantle? Have you already gotten the mantle? You know what this man did? Because if you read that scripture further, you will see that Elijah says, What can I do for you? Elisha says, Can you please bless me with a double portion of the spirit that you're carrying? And Elijah says, If you see me taken away, then you can be sure that that has happened to you. And so Elijah, Elisha sees Elijah being taken away. And the next verse says that he picks up the cloak. Why Elisha? Wasn't that cloak on you? There are certain, there are certain places of elevation that God will take you to. And you need to be very careful what you're doing in that area of elevation because that is going to be a strong test of character. This man, Elisha, could have just kept the cloak for himself because it is rightfully his. Did you understand that? I'm seeing a lot of lost faces. The cloak was for Elisha. But you will not see another verse where it says Elisha and the cloak. But you will see another verse that says Elijah till the time he was taken away he was wearing that cloak. And only when he went that cloak fell. And that is when Elisha decided to carry it. Don't supersede your father. Uh, Even though... Even though and this is the beauty about the Bible, this is the beauty about the people in the scriptures. The the forerunners were probably not as apt, not as efficient, not as good as their successors. Because this is very ultra to our human mind, human psyche. We follow someone who is who is a charismatic person. We follow people who, um, you know, are able to do things out there, been there, done that, you know, and we are still learning from them. But Gideon was a guy who was hiding in the wine press, And the people knew about it. And they still decided to say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Moses was just another stutterer. He couldn't even complete the sentence he was saying and so he, God had to place a spokesperson with him. Yeah. And the people decided, Moses it is. And you see an Elijah who is, who is depressed, who is put down. And Elisha can choose to say that, oh, you know what, take a glass of water, I'll give you coffee. You sit here, you can instruct me, let me go do my do the job that God has placed over me. This is called humility. When you acknowledge that your father is the one who's placed over you, he may not have the desired characteristics that you may want to see in a man of God, in a woman of God but the wisdom in it is to know that the anointed and the appointed are the ones who are able to lead you and in them lie the keys to your elevation and so you will see a man who follows close to Elijah Elijah can even say, here, please take my cloak. And he will always fold it back and keep it next to him. And Elijah will say, you know what, why don't you go fight that? And he will go fight it, but he will identify himself as son of Elijah. And it was only when Elijah was lifted that the cloak fell and the mantle fell. And you will see Elisha doing greater things. Greater, better miracles than what Elijah would have done. In fact, even after Elisha died, there was, there was a grave. No, huh. So I'm forgetting the sequence of uh, sequence of events. But there was a dead body that was being carried and then bears come. And then these guys, they want to run away. So they throw the dead body and it happens to hit Elisha's bones. And the dead man comes to life. That is the power with which Elisha walked. And if that is the Elisha I am talking to, this is the Elisha that you need to follow. So the first one was, what was the first point we spoke about Elijah? serving serving he was identified as the man who would wash Elijah's hands. the second one was closely following closely following and being humble to the man of God. the third task third uh, third point let me come to first uh, Kings chapter 19 verses 16 to 18. In in this scripture, you will see that this is the place where Elijah is giving up his, uh, almost giving up his, um, you know, his office as a prophet. And so he tells God, Lord, I am the only one uh, who's alive because Jezebel has gone ahead and killed all the prophets, and there is no one alive in Israel who yearns to follow you like I do. And so God says, okay, let me make your life easy for you. Here's a set of instructions, okay? He gives a, he, the Lord gives Elijah a set of instructions. So he says, where are we now? Go to 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 16 to 18. Okay, I'll read it. Alright, 1st uh, Kings chapter 19 verse 16 says, Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of abel Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Okay, now the very next verse, the very next verse after this, it talks about Elijah going straight and anointing Elisha but the but the instruction was very different god tells him three things to do go to the enemy country and anoint another king go to your own country and anoint uh, king jehu anoint jehu as the king and then go to this particular city and anoint that guy as the prophet but elijah chooses to skip 1 2 goes to point number 3 and goes and anoints elisha Okay? Probably because he was in that mood that day. (laughs) You never know. But now you will see Elisha. Okay? A lot of time has passed by. There is King Ahab. And it was to dethrone King Ahab that God had told uh, Elijah to anoint another man to come over and take King Ahab's place. But he doesn't do that. And so after Ahab, there is uh, Ahab's son. Alright, so a lot of time has passed by and in the meantime, Elisha is following Elijah and then now you see Elijah is taken away and now Elisha is the main prophet and guess what he does. Go to 2 Kings chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. Can I read it? Uh, you don't have to skip verses, okay? Uh, I'll just read it for you. It says, meanwhile, Elisha the prophet had summoned a member of the group of prophets. He said, get ready to travel. And take this flask of olive oil with you. Go to Ramoth Gilead and find Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and anoint him. What do you see here? In 1 Kings, you see that God had instructed Elijah, the senior man of God, three things. But he doesn't do the three things. He does not appoint Jehu as the king of Israel. He does not appoint the other king as the king of uh, Syria, if I'm not wrong. And, but he goes straight into appointing Elisha, because at, probably that was the need at that point of time for him. He just wanted a follower. He just wanted a successor. He just wanted to get rid of the mantle. Okay. But here is the faithful son of Elijah. He goes back and finishes the task that the Lord had laid upon his father's life. For some reason it was not completed. For whatever reason it is. For, for you know, we don't have to rationalize. For whatever reason it was, there was a faithful son. There was a faithful successor who understood that this was an assignment and this was the task that was given to the father and the father was not able to complete it and so the son takes it upon himself. It was not a direct communication. It was not a direct instruction. But the son takes it up. Probably at some point the father had opened up his heart and told him, this is what the Lord had wanted me to do. But I failed in doing it. And, and Elisha waited. He did not let zeal overtake him. Elisha waited to see at what point will it be the opportune time to fulfill this. You know, we try to help God by making prophecies be fulfilled, no? No. God says you will get a black car, you take your white car, you paint it black. (laughs) Don't try to help God. (laughs) Especially in marriage. God said you will get married to a man of God. Now every second man of God that's coming to church Can I tell you something again I'm deviating okay can I tell you something you are in a time frame okay this is this is an example I've given multiple times please please try to uh, understand the heart with which I'm telling you okay you are in a time frame can I give you this example this is one line everybody can see this one line everybody this is the place at which you're born happy birthday okay this is the place you're born You will live till the day you die. This is that day. This is your lifeline. Okay? You were born here. You will die here. You got baptized here. You met your uh, nursery class friend. You bought a new car. You got married. You had kids. You got a new house. You got a new house. You got a new car. Okay? You retired. Then you die. Okay? This is your Everybody is excited to die. (laughs) This is your timeline. Now there is a God who is outside of this timeline. You are stuck in time. But there is a God who is outside of this time. So let's say that there was something very traumatic that happened to you here. And that has tarred or tarnished the way you are living the next few years. And then you come to the realization that there is God here, okay? And you say, God, help me. This God who is outside of the time is able to access, is able to to take away the pain is able to erase the sting of this past by accessing the person that was wronged here. Did you understand? Yes. This God who is outside of time is able to come here and instruct you. Hey, if you go this way, you will fall into this pit. So pivot. Pivot that instruction is called a prophecy because probably at a future point of time you know you would have called out to God and this is God intervening in your past so in your today when you get an instruction that is God intervening in your timeline that is a prophecy a prophecy is not feel good fortune telling. Does God bless you with wealth? Yes. Does God bless you with material possessions? Yes. But that is to catapult you. Sorry, catapult you into a certain direction. And that's why prophecies are instructions. That give you binoculars that give you telescope your future you can't see but god is saying this is the future i want you to travel to this is the place i want you to go and this is what you're supposed to do we take we when we when someone comes and says god is going to use you for the nations we are so puffed up like a little popcorn You know, you see, little bit of popcorn you take, you put it on heat, you put it on the fire. One kettle is full. Because we get so puffed up. God said, I will be used for the nations. Okay, brother, it takes tears. It takes waking up in the morning and being on your knees and crying out to God for the nations. It takes character refinement. It takes a lot of beatings to get that old system out of you before you can be used for the nations. Otherwise, if you stay the same, there is a good chance that God will keep pulling that, that, you know, whatever you saw with the telescope, He will keep pulling it further and further away from you because He is not interested in you uh, having a suicide mission. Trust me, it's a suicide mission. You go on, you you don't fill petrol in your car and you're running on fumes, the devil will come and put water in that and say, see, I filled it, now run. It's either the Holy Spirit or the non-Holy Spirit. There is no in-between. So, so which is why God is interested that I, you take the assignment, you take the task that is at hand. You take the big, big promise that I'm giving you. But to hold that promise, you have to build your muscles. To, to hold the weight of that assignment, you need to be standing tall and strong. And so what you do in, in the secret what you do in your private time build your muscles take time to build your character and this was the faithful son of God he was he was, he, he was never told directly you know that you, this is what you're supposed to do he knew what the father was assigned to do and that was a big task And he didn't take the glory for himself. He waited. He waited for the fulfillment of it to happen in his father's lifetime. And when that didn't happen, he said, Okay, now it is my job as the son to fulfill this task. And then he goes and he appoints Jehu as the king of Israel after years had passed by from the time that the Lord had first instructed So the first point that Elijah did, so that Elijah did to Elijah was he served him. He served him in the most menialist of tasks. The second thing he did was he closely followed him in complete humility. And the third thing was that he took up the assignment that was un, unfulfilled. He finished the task that was given to his father. And the, and the, I'll, I'll give you two more two more verses. two more points that are not are not um, probably like particular to Elisha yeah but these are things that you will find throughout the gospel you will find throughout the Old Testament you will find it in the entirety of scripture okay the first one I want you to uh, look into is Joshua chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 Joshua chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 It says be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land and all the people who believed it. Amen. Said an amen. amen. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Be careful to be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Moses just happened to be such a man that to obey his instructions you needed to be strong and courageous. And it takes that faith, it takes that much of alignment of vision that the the, the people that God has placed over you over us carry the kind of faith that requires strength and courage in us to follow so if your man of God comes and gives you, gives you an instruction okay and it looks impossible it looks difficult it looks very risky still go ahead and obey it still go ahead and do it will you fall yes you may but go back and do it again and come back and tell him this is where I failed and then he will instruct you he will help you again and he will say okay here's another uh, You know, let's, let's draw out another diagram let's, let's get another uh, chart in the war room and here's another instruction go and do that Because you need strength and courage to follow the instruction that your man of God has given you. You know why? Because this stream that we are talking about, this this grace that we are under does not allow you to live an ordinary life. It does not allow you to take small tasks. If an instruction comes, it comes with the promise of something big. And you are called to do those big tasks because the church is given over the city. It's not existing in the city. We are a church that are watching over the people. We are are watchmen. We, we are supposed to have these watchtowers and we are supposed to watch where the, uh, the enemy is coming from while the city is sleeping peacefully while this, the people are safe and they are being provided for it is our job to decide what comes in, what goes out it is us who get to do that and if your task is so big if your calling is so big You will have a man and a woman who God will place over your life, who will give you such instructions that it will take courage to obey those instructions. The commandment is obey all the instructions. Obey all the instructions that come to you. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left then you will be successful in everything you do Oh, I, I thank God for the people who have gone before us who have, who have made way for us to be here now when we are going to take take over from here let it be in us to obey instructions. Instructions are your protection. Instructions will guard you. And the last point for today before I close it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 and 16. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you, so I urge you, so I urge you to imitate me. This is Paul saying I brought the Word of God to you and I am living a particular life to be able to glean through that word and give you what is required and if I want you to be like me and if I want you to live the life that I am living you need to imitate me you need to imitate. Me and my faith. You need to imitate the walk that I have with God. Now, the common question, or it's a question that I've had, okay, is the fact that isn't your man of God a man? Isn't your man of God a representative of God for sure? And that's why he carries... Uh, you know, such weight in the spiritual realm. But isn't he a man? And do you know that you have, you inherit everything in the spirit? But then there will be traits that you may inherit in the physical. And so what if this man has a weakness? And so what if you, over here, him or her screaming at his kids, her kids.
1: Or what if
0: you. What if you. I don't know. I mean. Really because you're imitating, right? You're imitating. And you're going to imitate the good, definitely. What if you find one final get to see Noah's, Noah lying in the field because he's a man, because there is a human aspect to us and there will be failures from your leaders. you respond to that because what you do at that point will talk a lot about you you will you will for sure not stop inheriting the spiritual blessing you will not stop uh, walking in the assignment that you have but if you don't have principles set in place and one of the principles is when you see your father's nakedness what do you do sons, there were three sons. One guy chose to go and inform the others. The other two chose to cover it. And it it makes a lot of difference when you get to know a top secret about your leader and it stays inside of you. Because your your belly is a place of The flow of living water, not gossip. And there are times when you want to correct and there are times when you want to, you are not okay with what is happening. Guess what? God has given you the freedom to go to Him. Because the instruction that has to come to your man of God does not come from you. It comes from God. But God has given us the freedom to bring this to him. And if your man of God is truly a man of God and if he truly hears instructions from God, this will be sorted too. And that is why it is important to cover your naked, cover your father's nakedness because there is a world out there that is waiting to pull them apart. They need the drop of a gossip. Tear them apart. So when you're covering, you are not you are not being an accomplice to uh, a wrong that may be done. You are saying, Lord, I let you take that role. You're basically making space for God to come and act, and that makes that principle makes the world of a difference. It says, just one last verse, one last verse. Hebrews 13, 7. This will be the final instruction for the Elishas whom God is calling out to take over the mantle of, the, of Elijahs who have gone before. Hebrews 13:7 says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. And follow their example of faith. You think of all the good that has come out of their lives, because it'll not be only good that'll come out of their lives. They are humans. They are in this world. They are being uh, attacked by weapon after weapon of the enemy, and it sometimes an Elijah can give up and say you know what I've had enough and it takes an Elisha to revive the spirit of this Elijah and it takes an Elisha to say I'm going to cover I'm going to cover the faults I'm going to cover the weaknesses I'm going to to look away from, from what I see is not desirable in this man and I'm going to look at the God in the man And I'm going to glean from him. I'm going to take the faith. I'm going to take the good things that have come out of him. And I'm going to accept that in my life. And I pray that you be that Elisha in your Elijah's life. Your Elijah may or may not be giving up today. But may you be the reason why they get joy in doing what they are doing what they are called to do. May you be the spring in their steps. May you be the refreshment to his or her soul. May you be the reason why they feel relaxed and carefree. May you be the reason they can sit back today because they have labored hard in the field when you were not there. They have labored and they have worked and they have had endless nights of tears and and they they have stayed up the night watching over your souls. They have worked. They have worked hard. May you be the reason they take a sip of water today. May you be the reason they say, it's okay if I have not seen the fruit of my hard work today. Because I know my son will see it. Because I know that I have a son in my lifetime. And when I'm saying son, daughters, please don't get discouraged. I am talking to the inheritors. And I'm calling a blanket term, blanket term called sons. May your father be proud of you. That blessing. Give me a double portion of the spirit that you carry. Oh man.